Good evening, everybody. Okay. This is for that that is pretty spooky. Sorry. <laughs> um, okay. Um, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We were, we were, we wanted to pick up on in our book, for those of you that have it in front of you, we're in, in uh, chapter three, section three, where we're talking about joint responsibility for making brachos for when one makes a bracha, page 111, actually it's up to sex, section B. Um, just a quick review, the general principle that we're, that we're dealing with is that in order for one person to make a bracha on behalf of somebody else, it requires, um, it requires that, uh, something called arvus, which means that we all are responsible one for one, one another. And based on that, um, we that common obligation allows us one person to make a bracha on behalf of another, as long as the person listening and the person making the bracha have intent to fulfill the mitzvah of having that bracha made for them. That also requires that both of them actually have to um, be have a requirement to be yotze that mitzvah. Okay, so now we're going to talk about, well, what happens if I already did the mitzvah and you still need to do the mitzvah? Can I, can I still make a bracha on your behalf? So there are instances where the formal structure of the responsibility principle does not appear at first glance to be applicable. So with regard to mitzvahs or birkos ha-mitzvahs, when it comes to doing a mitzvah or on to help somebody else do their mitzvah or the bracha on a mitzvah the halacha allows one to be motzi another with a mitzvah or a bracha even though the mevarech even though the person making the bracha has already performed the mitzvah so for instance when a retalabam blows shofar for the ladies even though he's already fulfilled the mitzvah of hearing the shofar he's still allowed to do the mitzvah on somebody else's behalf now at first that would appear contradictory to the principles set forth above the mevarech, the one who is making the bracha, having fulfilled his own obligation, might be compared to one who has no obligation for the mitzvah at all. Similar to what we said, a child can't make or do a mitzvah on behalf of an adult because the child is not mechuyev, the child does not have an obligation. As such, without his obligation, he can't go ahead and make the bracha somebody else. However, Chazal ruled that once having fulfilled his own obligation does not, does not, prevent him from being motzi another. It does not prevent me from taking on the responsibility of your mitzvah. Because, as I think I talked about this idea last week, like it says that there are, just like there are numerous, 613, 600,000 letters in the Torah, right? If you take one letter away, the entire Torah is possible. All of Kalisol makes up one Torah. We all make up one big story. We're all part of that story. And if you take one of us out of the equation, then all of us are no longer whole. So um, the reality is we are all achrai, we are all responsible to make sure that everyone around us fulfills their mitzvahs as well. That's a part of my obligation is to see to it that other people also are fulfilling their obligations. And as such, the same thing applies to everybody else. This is This goes into the whole idea that you've heard many times, the, whole, the concept of kol Yisrael, Aravim Zelazet. Arav, to be an Arav means to be a like a uh, a guarantor, 
We are all guarantors of, for one another. We all th are there to make sure that everybody everybody can succeed. Our job is to make sure that, you know, I guess, uh, um, but like, like no child left behind, right? We're all responsible for one another. We have, we have to do what we have to do. The commentaries explain that the failure of one Jew to perform a mitzvah is not merely a private affair. All Jews are guarantors for each other and our souls are interlocked and we bear responsibility for one another. And that, thus, though I may have fulfilled my own personal requirement to perform the mitzvah, as long as another Jew has not yet fulfilled that mitzvah, my own personal obligation remains wanting. I still have an obligation. I still have something that needs to be done. My capacity as guarantor for the performance of, of his mitzvah confers an obligation upon me to see to it that his mitzvah is accomplished as well. This is where the concept of of um, of tochacha comes in, of a, having responsibility to share rebuke, of, of of sharing joint responsibility, of caring about other people, knowing that other people are all they were all a part of of that one larger whole is is critical. Now, Mike, uh, this is dependent, however, on whether or not the person seeking to be yotze. The person who wants to fulfill the mitzvah, are they actually obligated to perform the mitzvah? And therefore, the following halachos from, follow logically from the stated premises. The stated premises being, A, we're all responsible for one another. If you have not yet fulfilled your mitzvah, then I, too, still have an obligation. And uh, the, the third one is that you are actually obligated in this mitzvah, but if you're not actually obligated in the mitzvah, then if I've already fulfilled my obligation and you don't have an obligation to do it, you just wish to do that mitzvah, that may have a different uh, outcome. That may be something that's a little bit different. So, number one, being motzi another who is obligated to perform the mitzvah is A, the mavarich can be motzi another with birkos mitzvahs. I could make a bracha for somebody else who wants to fulfill a mitzvah, even though I personally have already fulfilled that mitzvah. That's applicable in a wide variety of brachos, spirit shofar, kiddush, abdallah, megillah, um, the bracha for kiddushin, for uh, under a chuppah, right? Every, all those things are, are, are going to be. Postcom have a rule that since the Mavarach already fulfilled his obligation, since the one who is making the bracha already did the mitzvah, it is preferable that the one wishing to do the mitzvah recite his own bracha. He's the one that's doing the mitzvah. He should make the bracha, even if I'm helping him do it. For instance, if I'm blowing the shofar for him, or or I am being masadar, I'm making the I'm being masadar kiddushim, I'm setting, I'm making the kiddushim for him, or I'm doing any one of a number of other mitzvahs, I'm making kiddush on his behalf. Right? Ideally, the person who's being yotze the mitzvah, the person who's fulfilling the mitzvah, should make his own bracha if they're able to do so. However. If he listens to the bracha of the Mavarach instead of reciting a bracha of his own, he is certainly Yotze. He certainly has fulfilled his obligations. Not, that is not going to be a problem. Now, there is a, a general concept, a general rule um, that, uh, um, uh, that it's better mitzvah bo. There's a concept that says this as follows mitzvah bo. It's always better to do a mitzvah on my own rather than to have somebody do it on my, to act as an agent on my behalf. I would always rather be doing the mitzvah myself where it's possible rather than have somebody else perform or do something for me, even if he's acting as my agent and thereby, by, by, and where, 
which halachically gives him a status of being an extension of myself, we still have a preference that it be myself over somebody else. Okay, so the first the first point here is where both of us are hived to do a mitzvah, both of us are obligated to do a mitzvah, I can help you to fulfill your mitzvah, even if I have already done so, and I can even make a bracha on your behalf, even though it's preferable that you make your own bracha. Now, there's another, there's a, there, let's move to category number two. Category number two is like this, being motzi, another who is not obligated to perform the mitzvah. What about where I am helping somebody to do a mitzvah that they're not necessarily obligated to do, but they're choosing to do so? So our classical example, let's go back to our shofar on Rosh Hashanah. Shofar, the mitzvah of shofar is a mitzvah sasei man grama. It's a positive time-bound mitzvah, mitzvah. And as you know, positive time-bound mitzvahs, women are not obligated to do on their own. For further elucidation on that topic, please join me on Monday afternoons. This is a free promotion of my other class, Circle Arrow Spiral, um, where, where we talk about why it is that there are, and just just by the way, a fascinating fact, I, I don't remember if I dropped this on, on this group last time, how many mitzvahs do you think there are that men are obligated in that women are not obligated? There are 613 mitzvahs total. Of those, there are, there are quite a few of them that are apply specifically to Kohanim. How many of those mitzvahs do you think apply to women, to men, and not to women? By the way, there are some mitzvahs, there are a couple of mitzvahs that apply to women and not to men, right? Um, but but, but be that, putting that aside, how many mitzvahs total do you think there are that fall under this rubric, either of mitzvahs, such as mangrama, tefillah, uh, might also be a part of that, uh, Talmud Torah, which seems to be not an obligation for women necessarily, in its in its fullest expression, how many mitzvahs do you think it is? So a tally of mitzvahs, figuring out how many mitzvahs men are chayvin that women are not chayvin, is fourteen. Fourteen. That's it. There are just fourteen mitzvahs that women, that men are chayvin that women are not chayvin. So, yeah, go figure. Out of six hundred and thirteen mitzvahs, fourteen of them. So 599 mitzvahs. So it's really not 599. That's really not true because there's things like trumos and maestros and tuma for kohanim and, and all those types of things. But of all the remaining mitzvahs, right, let's say it's, it's, uh, it's in the region of there are 248 negative commandments and 365 positive commandments, of which there are 14 mitzvahs. 14 mitzvahs. Not all of them are positive mitzvahs. Not all of them, all of them are positive, of which of the 365 positive mitzvahs, 14 of them, men are chayavin and women are not. Okay, but let's pick one of our examples. What is, for example, the mitzvah of tkiah shofar. So somebody was blowing, is blowing shofar on behalf of a lady, right? And he already was yotze the mitzvah. He already heard that he already heard tkiah shofar before. Can he make a bracha on behalf of the ladies? Can a man who has already heard already heard the shofar can he make a can he make a can he make a bracha on behalf of lady so this takes us into category number two being mighty another who is not obligated to perform the mitzvah so the right to recite a bracha for another that 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 potential that i have that i can say a bracha for somebody else even though the mavarik was already yotze the mitzvah despite the fact that i have already done the mitzvah is fully dependent on the principle of Arvus. It, it requires that I have to have a responsibility to make sure 
that you are going to fulfill this mitzvah, or meaning you with the other person that this other person that I'm involved with has to fulfill this mitzvah. And because that is part of my obligation, I would be able to make a bracha for them. So if the person seeking to be yotze, the same person who wants to fulfill the mitzvah now, has no halachic responsibility to perform the mitzvah, they don't have to do it. If they could do it if they want. They can voluntarily choose to do so. But the Torah does not require them to do this mitzvah. The rules of Arvis do not apply. In that situation, you cannot say that I am responsible to make sure that you, what, voluntarily do this mitzvah? By definition, if you say that I'm responsible to see that you do the mitzvah, then we're not saying it's not, but it's, it's involuntary on your part. In order for it to be voluntary on your part, it must be that you're, to, you're doing it completely of your own volition, and I'm not pushing you in any way. So accordingly, one who has previously fulfilled his obligation cannot, cannot be motzi, one who has no obligation to perform the mitzvah. So, so, uh, uh, so an example. Um, so for example, being a motzi, a woman with the bracha of shofar, right? When comes Rosh Hashanah morning, right? And you have a lady who has young children, so she's unable to come to shul. Um, for whatever reason, it's decided that she that she d- did not come to show uh, Rosh Hashanah morning um, because she was watching the kids, and now she wants to hear the shofar. So her husband comes rushing home after show, sends her off to show to go hear the ladies to hear shofar. And guess what? There all there is no there's who there, who is available to make the bracha now? Can the baltokea, the person who's blowing the shofar, who already heard the shofar being blown? Can he make the bracha for them or not? So, so the the so here here this is where this issue of not being responsible for a mitzvah kicks in to a debt to, to be detrimental or or at least a, a detriment to this particular situation. A man cannot recite the bracha on the shofar for a woman for a woman if he has already fulfilled his obligation for the mitzvah. A woman is not required to hear shofar. She does not have to hear shofar. She's choosing to be to fulfill the mitzvah, and we as Ashkenazim consider that a very that, that to be a full mitzvah in, equal to that of the man's. So therefore, she has to make a bracha on it. By the way, Sfardim do not make a do not make a bracha on such a mitzvah. They 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 they, they so. But in but the Ashkenazi post can pass in that she should make a bracha. She needs to make the bracha. Yet he cannot make it for her. So consequently, the man has no arvus, no responsibility for her mitzvah. Therefore, the woman may, however, recite the bracha herself. She can make a bracha. She's allowed to make the bracha, at least according to according to again, as I said, according to the Ramah, according to uh, Ashkenazi poskim, she could make a bracha. Um, but but she he cannot make the bracha on her behalf. What about blowing the shofar for her? How does he blow the shofar for her? He already was Yotze the Mitzvah. Is it a mitzvah for him now to blow the shofar on her behalf? So take a look on the bottom, this very fascinating idea. Number 46. A man can, he could, however, sound the shofar for the woman, even though he's already fulfilled, f- fulfilled his obligation, as is stated clearly in the Shulchan Aruch. And even though that seems contradictory to the concept stated above, that he can only be Motzi, somebody else, a mitzvah, if he himself has that obligation, but apparently here, joint responsibility is not necessary, not, not necessary in order to be motzi, a woman in a mitzvah for which she herself is not obligated. He does not have to, he does not have to have a responsibility if she's doing a mitzvah that she does not have to do. So, but a bracha may not be recited by the man in this case 
that's that's going to be something that's separate. So what's going to divide those two things is this. When he's doing the mitzvah, the Misa mitzvah for her, the mitzvah of shofar is a mitzvah of shmias kol shofar. It's a mitzvah to hear the blowing of a shofar. So if he's blowing the shofar, regardless of what his intent is when he's blowing that shofar, even if he's not actually blowing the shofar to be for, for the purposes of a mitzvah, but he's blowing a shofar so that she can hear it, she's being she's fulfilling a mitzvah by doing that, despite the fact that he wasn't obligated in that mitzvah. However, it does not go so far as for him to be able to make a bracha. Now, here's another example that's a little bit more complex. Reciting Havdalah for a woman. A lady, uh, uh, it's brought in the Svarim. Ideally, a lady does not make Havdalah on her own. She hears Havdalah from a man. This has to do, this goes into, again, very deep, very in, into this idea of Havdalah and how Havdalah, how Havdalah works. It has to do with uh, with connecting inwardly with things as opposed to being able to make separation between things. It's a, it's a much deeper topic um, that requires certain generalizations that I don't want to get into right now. But again, if you want to hear a deeper explanation of what's going on over here, I encourage you to join us on Monday afternoons. This is one more of those, of those types of discussions. A man may not recite Havdalah for a woman if he himself has previously heard or recited Havdalah. If he already heard Havdalah, she did not hear Havdalah, he can't do it for her. Because in the opinion of some poskim, women are not required to recite Havdalah. And therefore, the man has no responsibility as a guarantor for the woman's mitzvah because she doesn't have to do it. Now, to prevent confusion, we have to note that the joint responsibility for mitzvahs affects these halachos in two distinct ways. Firstly, the obligation of the motzi. That is, that the obligation of the one who is doing it on behalf of the other, is critical. If the motzi is not obligated to do the mitzvah, if he doesn't have any, any reason why he has to do it, he cannot be motzi another who is obligated to perform that mitzvah, right? Because he's not of the same capacity of that person. So for instance, a child that is not obligated to do any mitzvahs, he only does mitzvahs as quote-unquote practice for when he'll become a bardas become a bar seichel, a person of when he's matured. So he cannot uh, uh, be motzi another. He cannot do something on behalf of somebody else. For instance, to bench or to make a bracha or any of those types of things. Um, secondly, the obligation of the one being yotze, the one who is who's, who who wants to have their mitzvah fulfilled by proxy that person also has to have an obligation to do their mitzvah so that the other person can act as their proxy in this situation. If the one seeking to be yotze is not obligated to do the mitzvah, then the motzi, the one, the person working on their behalf, has uh, um, uh, cannot recite a bracha on his behalf if the motzi himself has previously fulfilled his obligation. Right? If he's already done what he's supposed to do, he cannot do it on their behalf. And number three is, the C is like this. One who does not immediately intend to eat, right? If somebody is making a bracha on behalf of somebody else, but we're not talking now about birkos hamitzvahs. We're talking now about birkos hananin, brachos that we make before having benefit from this world. So a bracha, when I'm making, when I'm making a bracha to benefit from this world, essentially I'm asking for permission from Hashem I'm asking for permission from Hashem to make that item mine. 
I'm making, I'm, I'm making that item mine. Basically, I'm, I'm asking Hashem for permission to consume that item. If I don't plan on consuming it myself, I cannot do that on behalf of somebody else. I can't say, please let me have this apple, and then somebody else eats the apple, because then, then, then I shouldn't be asking. He should be asking. Why am I, how can I ask on his behalf when there's nothing, there's nothing motivating my, my request? So, one who does not immediately intend to eat may not recite the bracha rishona, may not recite the initial bracha for one who wishes, who wishes to eat. Here, too, the Arvis principle is not applicable. The responsibility to ask for permission to eat doesn't apply over here because I am not looking to eat. So, therefore, I can't ask for permission for something that I'm not going to do. So, I can't make a bracha for somebody else when I personally do not require that bracha. Before you jump on me and ask me the very, uh, the very, very uh, important question of, well, how do you make Bore Priyagafen in Kiddush if you already heard Kiddush? For, so how do you make Kiddush for somebody else? Isn't Bore Priyagafen also a Birkos And Is that not also a bracha for a benefit that I'm having from this world? That would be an excellent question. The answer to which is no. I mean, meaning yes and no. Of course, it has to be a good Jewish answer. But yes and no, yes. If I'm just drinking a glass of wine because I believe that red wine is good for your heart and everybody should drink a glass of it every night, then, then it is true that when I make a bari priyagafen on that glass of wine, I better be drinking that wine or I can't make that bracha on somebody else's behalf. However, but that bracha of bari priyagafen is very special and it is also called, it doubles over as kiddush. Kiddush is a mitzvah daraisa, believe it or not. There's a Torah obligation to make Kiddush on Shabbos. That is, Zohar's Yom HaShabbos Lekatshoi, is the mitzvah to make Kiddush. That is, that, is, that is a Torah obligation that one has. And the way you make Kiddush, certainly Shabbos morning, is to say a bracha of Baruch HaTashem, that is a Kiddush, not the Pesukim Shabbos morning at least. On, on Friday night, Kiddush is a little more complicated. There's, 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 there's the wine and there's the Kiddush that comes immediately afterwards, the Makadosh HaShabbos, which, you, which we make, that's the Kiddush. But on Shabbos morning, the Kiddush of Shabbos morning is the Borei Priyagafen. Yes, we say all sorts of psukim. Some people say more, some people say less, etc. But that's just to let to, to create the context, give you the vibe of what's going on. The actual Kiddush is the Borei Priyagafen. Therefore, the Borei Priyagafen doubles as both a Birkas Hanenin and a Birkas HaMetzvah, and therefore it has to be treated differently. But a Birkas Hanenin, a Bracha on food, a Bracha on a Borei Priyagafen, or even Hamotzi Lacham in arts, even Hamotzi on Mishlacha Mishnah is going to be an interesting shalom. There is, there is a Taz. The Taz is the is a is the name is the acronym for a sefer called Ture Zahav. It's written by a man by the name of Rabbi David Halevi. Rabbi David Halevi was the Rav in Krakow in the late 17th century, um, the mid to late 17th century. He was the chief. Of he was the head of something that was called the Vad Arba Arotsos, the, the Council of the Four Lands, which include uh, Poland, Latvia, Lithuania, and Belarus. Right, that's what's called that's called the, the, the Vad. That it was called the Vad Arba Arotsos, the Council of Four of Four Lands. Um, he was a very very influential and important uh, scholar uh, from a halachic perspective. Um, he wrote extensively on Shulchan Aruch. He wrote extensively on the Code of Jewish Law, as well as a commentary on the Torah that's called um, is called uh, um, 
it's called here. It's called the Taz Alatur. There's a sefer called the Taz Alatura. Um. So so the the the, the um. Yeah. So he was he was a very influential person in his own time. The Rabbi David Halevi. I don't think he had another name. And as I said, he was the Rabbi in Krakow. Um, in Krakow, in Poland. Uh, um, so the Taz does say that the mitzvah of, of Lechem Mishnah, the mitzvah to make a hamotzi on two loaves of bread, is a mitzvah daraisa, um, based on a pasuk from this past week's Torah, Torah portion, of, um, that, that, that it says that when you prepare your food for Shabbos, it will end up that it will be double. And based on that, we learn out that there is an obligation to have a double portion, which is two loaves of bread, and the Taz understands that to be a mitzvah daraisa. Most poskim disagree with him. Most poskim feel that the mitzvah of Hamotzi, the mitzvah of Lecha Mishnah, is a zecher for the man. It's a remembrance of the man of the manna that fell in the midbar. But it's only a, it's only rabbinic in our origin. It doesn't have a doesn't have a Torah actually have a Torah source to it. But the the fact that it has a Torah source to it is something that will become significant in a moment when it comes to if I make if I already made hamotzi. Can I make hamotzi on behalf of somebody else who didn't yet make hamotzi, right? So if you hold that it's a birkas mitzvah, like the Taz does, because he holds lacha mishnah is a mitzvah doraisa, then you could make a hamotzi for that person, even though you already made hamotzi. But if you hold that it's not a mitzvah, you only hold it's a birkas hanenin, then I can't make even though I can make kiddush on your behalf, I can make bari on your behalf, I cannot make hamotzi on your behalf. Well, we'll see. We'll see that in a moment. Okay. So now let's go, let's talk a little bit more in depth. Let's get into this. Let's dive into this topic, which we really didn't explore that much yet, of Birkas Hanen, making Birkas Hanen on behalf of somebody else, which is going to differ fundamentally from Birkas HaMitzvah, which is what we've primarily been discussing until now uh, with regard to obligation of, on somebody else's behalf, which simply required that both he and I be obligated in the mitzvah, and even if I already fulfilled the mitzvah, I could still do it on his behalf. We're going to see that Birkas Hanenin works in a very, very different way. So on the bottom of page 115, the uh, the rules of Arvus pertaining to Birkas Hanenin are very complex. The concept that I should be responsible for your, you to make a bracha prior to your eating which, by the way, the whole concept of brachos, the whole concept of making a bracha rishon, or making a bracha before you start eating, is only rabbinic in origin. It does not have a Torah source. Uh, the Gemara tries to find a source for it, and the Gemara fails. Ultimately, the Gemara says that it's a dindraban, and it's essentially what we call a svara. It's something that's logical, that if you're getting something from somebody, how could you not ask for it first? The Gemara tries to bring a raya, tries to bring a proof to it from the concept the Pasuk says, Hashemayim, Hashemayim, Hashem, and in, in one Pasuk, but that Pasuk seems to be contradicted by another Pasuk, that, which says, the Hashem Ha'aretz on the Loa, Hashem owns everything, so the Gemara wants to resolve that and say, no, as long, really, everything belongs to Hashem, the Hashem Ha'aretz on the Loa, Hashem owns everything. But, Akash Baruch says, if you'll ask me, if you'll make a bracha, then, Hashemayim, Hashemayim, Hashem, Hashem, so to speak, withdraws into the heavens, 
and he leaves the earth to us. The land is given over to us. But at the end of the day, the Gemara says that that's only an asmachta, that is not a, that is not a, an, an explicit explanation, uh, idea that you have to make brachos. This is a concept of making brachos is based on the logic that if you're taking something from somebody, you ask for it first. You first say please, and then you take things. That's the concept of making brachos. It's only rabbinic in origin. Now, so the rules of Arvis pertaining to Birkos and Nenin are very complex. Several issues have to be considered. Number one, do the principles of Arvis apply to Birkos and Nenin as well as Birkos Hametzos? Can we say that there's a responsibility to make Birkos Hanenin for somebody else the same way as, as there is Birkos Hametzos? The reality is you don't have to eat now. You're choosing to eat. Now, what about a Sudas Mitzvah? What about on Shabbos where it's prohibited to fast? So you do have to eat. What about, um, what, there are certain occasions, Sudas Purim, for instance, where you are supposed to be eating. So it's a mitzvah to be eating. So then perhaps, I mean, that, that, may, that may create a difference. But generally speaking, right, um, for a bracha on food that you don't necessarily have to eat, you're choosing to eat it, can I make a bracha on your behalf to say that, oh, I've, I have a responsibility to make sure you make brachos, therefore I can make a bracha on your behalf. It's not so simple. So number two, and the second thing we have to consider is this. Is there any difference in this regard between a bracha rishona and a bracha chrono, between a first bracha, a starting bracha, and a bracha that you make afterwards? Is the bracha that we make afterwards perhaps more heavily, uh, tor, tor, does, doesn't have a stronger source in the Torah? The fact of the matter is, it is a mitzvah derisa to bench. The, 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 the concept of benching, the concept of making a bracha after you eat, is a derisa, because it says, you will eat for Savata and you'll be satisfied with and then you'll thank Hashem. That's a Pasuk in the Torah. It's a Pasuk in in Parshas um in uh, in Parsha in Parshas uh, um uh, in Parshas uh, Akev, right? In Parshas Akev, there's a there's a that there's a Pasuk, there's a verse in the Torah that states. However, the Torah, the Torah obligation to bench is only when you've eaten, you're full, and when you're completely satisfied. There are rabbinically, you are obligated to bench even if you owed, only had some achlokas, if you ate a kazayas, a share of a, a, one olive, about 28 grams, or two olives with a kabeah, about 56 grams. If you ate that much food, then you have it, then you have an obligation to bench. It's not a Torah obligation, it's a rabbinic obligation. But th- th- does that does the bracha chrona differ in because that's a mitzvah to bench as opposed to the bracha rishona, which is only a way to be able to eat? So it's not necessarily in and of itself an obligation that stands alone, or maybe not. Maybe since you only bench after you eat. So it's also dependent on my eating. And since I never had to eat in the first place, I may never have to bench if I don't eat. So that's a, a, number three. What is the status of those bracha birkas hanenin recited in conjunction with a mitzvah? Like we mentioned before, like saying, um, like saying in Kiddush, or a bracha that you make when you sit in the sukkah, right? So there you have to, there's a mitzvah to eat in the sukkah, so you have to make a bracha in the sukkah, right? And number four, um, under from number four, under what conditions can one be mitzi another with a bracha rishona if both plan to eat? Well, so I mentioned before that if one person plans to eat, does not plan to eat, and he's trying to make a bracha on behalf of somebody who is planning to eat, 
that doesn't work. You can't ask for permission and then not eat it. You can't say that I'm making a bracha and not, not eat. But what happens if I am eating? And what, what is the situation? In what way could I be motzi somebody else? Could I help somebody else to fulfill their obligation uh, to eat if, if, they, if they're doing that? Okay. So um, let's begin. So number one, A, being motzi another when the mavarech is not about to eat. What, what, under what circumstances can I make a bracha birkas hanenin and you will be fulfill your obligation to having, of, of having made a bracha and you will be able to eat despite the fact that I am not eating. When, did, when does that ever happen? So it says like this. Bracha Rishon, one cannot be motzi another with birkas hanenin, a bracha on food or drink, unless the mavarech, and the one who is making the bracha, unless the mavarech too, the mavarech is also is fulfilling his obligation to recite a bracha on food that, he's, that he himself is about to eat. He cannot make a bracha on somebody else's behalf if he's not planning to participate. Unlike what we saw earlier in Birkas HaMitzvah, where in a Birkas HaMitzvah, even if I'm not now, right now doing the mitzvah, but you're obligated in the mitzvah, I could still make a bracha for you on your behalf. With Birkas HaMitzvah, it doesn't work that, that way. Unlike mitzvahs, which are obligatory upon all Jews to perform, eating is not obligatory. There's no obligation, even though, again, according to the Ramam and Hilkh that we learned this morning, that a person has an obligation to look after his health and to look after his body and as such, etc. So that, that's a good question. But but the reality is, right, a person, uh, there's no halakha obligation to eat, and the halakha only mandates that when one wishes to eat, he must recite a bracha beforehand. We don't make the brachos and as a as a matter of course, even if we're not planning to actually eat or to actually use the bracha. One is a guarantor only for those mitzvahs which follow which a fellow Jew is obligated to do. I only have to worry about you doing things that you're supposed to be doing. But for you to do, for me to be demanding of you to do things that you're not even supposed to be doing that have nothing to do with you, that's a very different story. That's not that's certainly not simple at all. Um, so, so consequently, the normal rules of arvus is not applicable to eating and drinking. Again, unless I really have to do that. It's a pseudos mitzvah of some sort, or there's a, there are situations where food has to, you have to do what, you, what you're supposed to do. Um, so one is a guarantor only for those mitzvahs which a fellow Jew is obligated to do, not for those mitzvahs which he may choose to do. Mitzvahs are obligatory, and therefore each Jew is a guarantor for another, and um, may write may may recite the bracha for on his behalf. The obligations of a guarantor create a common ground between them. So, in the Birka Sanenin, however, the guarantor status is not functional. The mavarch has neither his own responsibility because the person making the bracha doesn't have his own responsibility because he's not about um, um, again, so the so, so in Birkasanen, in the guarantor status is not functional. The Mavark has neither his own responsibility because he's choosing not to eat right now, so he certainly doesn't have an obligation to eat, 
nor the responsibility of a guarantor, nor does he have any responsibility to the person who he's doing on his behalf, since the one seeking to be yotz the bracha <coughs> is not required to eat. So in order to share common ground, the mavarich, the one making the bracha, and the listener wishing to eat must share the halachic responsibility to recite a bracha. They both have to be in a circumstance where they're both obligated in this bracha. In that situation, one can make a bracha on behalf of another. So, one can be motzi another with birkas hananin only if they both intend to eat. If we're both having that glass of wine, we're making a lachaim, I could make a shahako, you could say amen, and we could drink a lachaim together. That we could do, right? But in this case, the mavaris obligation to recite a bracha is independent of the arvis to the listener. It has nothing to do with the responsibility to the listener. The halachas of arvis is pertaining to birkas hananin are as follows. We're going to get to that. We'll, we'll have to get to that next. Well, well, actually, we'll start that. So again, so when one um, when one is making a bracha on behalf of somebody else, as long as I'm all, and it's the type of bracha that's made on things that we have a benefit from, that we eat, right? As long as, um, as long as we're both in that situation where we both need the bracha, right? And we both intend to eat, then uh, then he can make a bracha on his behalf. So, what are the what are some of the uh, the halachos that pertain to these this to this type of situation where somebody wants to eat something and I'm making a bracha on his behalf because I'm also eating something? So, number one, a when two people wish to eat wish to eat, one of them may recite a bracha for both. It's possible um, that one could make a bracha on behalf of the other one. Now, it's not as straightforward and as simple as that. There's still going to be more caveats to that halacha in just a moment. Number two, one who does not immediately in, intend to eat may not recite a bracha for anyone who is going to eat. I can't simply make a bracha for somebody else because he's he wants to eat and he doesn't know the bracha, so I'm going to make it for him. That I cannot do. We will see there is a solution. There is, an, there is the possibility I can teach him the bracha or I can say the words for him and he follows along responsibly, etc. But I cannot make the bracha on his behalf, if he's not also eating. He may, and this is a chiddush, this is something new, this perhaps many people will find fascinating, but this is exactly what we should do for our children. He may, however, enunciate the bracha word for word. He says baruch, the other person says baruch. In other words, you don't know that, that my friend doesn't know the bracha, so now I have to train them in as to what the bracha is. So I can do that. I can say the words word for word, even up to the name of Hashem. He may announce the bracha word for word so that the one uh, wishing to eat can repeat each word after him. Okay. Now, one notable exception to the rules set forth above is that one who recites a bracha for minors, somebody who's making a bracha on behalf of a group of minors, one may recite a bracha for children wish to eat and are unable to recite a bracha, even if the mavarach has no intention to eat. In that situation where you have a bunch of kids that were disparate, different looking, uh, uh, you have that type of situation, so you're making a bracha on their behalf, right? So then, ideally, they should make the bracha themselves, but um, but I can make a bracha on their behalf. But we said already 
that mitzvah bo yosem mishluchai, once you get to more than three people, they should really be making the bracha on their own. However, he suggests that there's one notable exception to the rule set forth above. And that is that somebody who recites a bracha on behalf of a minor. So one can recite a bracha for children who wish to eat and are unable to recite a bracha, even if the mavarach has no intention to eat. I can make a bracha for them, teaching them the bracha, saying word for word what the bracha should be, or even saying it on their behalf because they're hungry now and they want to eat. I can do that. Whether or not the children are his own is immaterial. It doesn't matter what my relationship to those children is. As long as I know that those children want to hear a bracha, they're not capable of making a bracha on their own. They have no access to being able to make that bracha. I can easily say the bracha out loud and say after me, and I would be well within the rights of what a person really should do under those circumstances. Um, all of that's talking about birkas hanenin, brachas that are for a benefit that is not connected to any mitzvah. It's the opportunity to make a bracha in order to help other people to be yotze. And, uh, and I can only do that if I too am being yotze. Or alternatively, what I can do is I can say the bracha not as a bracha, but as a teaching experience, as a way to let children know what it is that they're supposed to be saying with the name of Hashem, not no no ad no no adoshem no 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 adnos no this name of Hashem. Say it out straight so that the child learns properly and they learn how to make brachos. Again, I'll take I take you back to something that we mentioned way back when. I think when we were first starting this, it's not a good idea to teach very little children to make a bracha because they don't know when it's appropriate to say these things and not say these things. And then little, little do you know, next time they're in the bath playing with their rubber ducky and they're teaching their rubber ducky how to make a bracha and they're saying the name of Hashem while they're sitting in the bath. Not a good thing, not a good picture, not the way it's supposed to be. It's One should wait until a child is perhaps four, four, maybe even five years old before one starts teaching them brachos because that way they get the seriousness of what it is and they don't just end up doing it by rote. Hopefully they learn to do it much more with concentrated, which is something that I feel like we should, at least I know I have to work on that. Something that many people have to work on is making sure when, that when we make a bracha, we stop, we're mechavin, we think about what we're doing, and then we can go and then make, make the, say the bracha or say the tefillah, and then we can go back to our business and do whatever it is else, else there is that we really want to do. Okay, thank you very much, everybody. Have a wonderful evening. Um, Thank you, Rabbi.